0: Chapters seven and eight of the measure of a man a tale of the big woods by norman duncan this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter seven pale peter's game when john fairmeadow got back to swamp's end from Patty batch's lonely cabin at the edge of the woods the inebriated little town seemed to have gone to bed for the night it was dark the long disjointed bedraggled street was deserted but the town had not gone to bed not by any means the town was still celebrating the obsequies of gray billy batch and inasmuch as that singular function had been a gigantic success and inasmuch as all sense of responsibility concerning it had vanished with the return from the green field beyond town and inasmuch as there still remained a goodly portion of the eighteen hundred dollars the town was heartily enjoying itself swamp's end was indoors the saloons were crowded indisputable evidence of hilarity emerged from every open door at pale peter's red elephant where john fairmeadow turned in charlie the infidel was rushed beyond the power even of his quick hands and alert mind to keep up with the demand for his services there was a roaring crowd at the bar but strewn about the floor and now and again kicked impatiently out of the way there lay a dozen or more lusty fellows whom the celebration had utterly overcome fairmeadow was not disgusted he did not withdraw in horror nor did he weep and retire to pray as a matter of fact it may be hinted john fairmeadow had long ago become inured to scenes like this there had been a time moreover when but that is for a later telling fairmeadow unobserved in the long dim-lit room now went to a shadowy corner to which snatches of maudlin conversation chiefly concerning himself drifted from the noisy crowd fairmeadow's arrival it seemed had aroused a vast theological discussion to which the potations of the night had contributed as much enlightenment as potations will upon gingerbread jenkins the events of the day had produced a singular effect he drank deep rather he drank deeper gingerbread jenkins always drank deep but that was not all gingerbread jenkins had washed his face and combed his hair and beard moreover he had become preternaturally solemn and the more often he had sidled up to pale peter's bar the more solemn he had grown his demeanour at the bar did not in the faintest degree suggest frivolity his voice was fallen to a whisper he walked on tiptoe his face did not lose a line of its heavy gravity he whispered a little liquor Charlie," precisely in the manner of an elder saying let us pray earlier in the day some time after the funeral in fact when just at that moment it had occurred to john fairmeadow that little pattie batch might be in need gingerbread jenkins had in an excited whisper suggested a revival to the new minister we ought to wake the boys up said he and get em to realize their lost condition and save em and he had been somewhat disconcerted and more than a little chagrined to discover that john fairmeadow would not enthusiastically fall in with his plan for a spiritual awakening of the community but fairmeadow had mollified him and mightily hardened him by threatening to make an elder of him yet and adding by jove gingerbread i'm going to put you in the choir It was for this reason that Gingerbread had, with much labor, achieved the air and appearance of piety. Gingerbread's first concern was with the moral condition of Pale Peter's young son Donald, whom he lifted from the end of the bar, where the boys sat cross-legged, and whom he carried to a corner of the bar-room, and took on his knee. "'Donnie,' said he, "'you ought to go to Sunday-school.' "'What for?' "'We're going to have a Sunday-school here,' Gingerbread went on. "'Where you can go, Donnie, you ought to go.' "'What for?' "'To be made into a good little boy.' "'Did you go to Sunday-school?' "'I did that.' "'Did it make you a good little boy?' Gingerbread started. "'Well,' he replied, at last, "'it uh, did.' "'How long were you good?' "'Just as long as I went to Sunday-school.' "'Triumphantly.' what do they do at sunday school oh gingerbread drawl. they learn the golden text what's that it's a verse from holy scriptures do you know one gingerbread protested with interest that he knew the very shortest verse to be found in the holy scriptures from cover to cover and i'll teach it to you said he what is it you say it after me gingerbread replied are you ready donnie nodded jesus wept said gingerbread donnie struggled from gingerbread's knee in a rage what's the matter gingerbread demanded why don't you say it i'm not allowed to swear that ain't swearin gingerbread protested it's too." donnie returned and i'd get licked if i said it the boy went off in a flush of shame and climbed again to the bar from which more righteous situation he continued to view the scene as for gingerbread jenkins he mused heavily for a time and then looked about him from the sots on the floor to Charlie the infidel who was perspiring in the effort to reduce more sots to the floor whereupon gingerbread jenkins sighed and having sighed again and yet in a more melancholy way for the third time he muttered jesus wept eh i should think so it was a genuine expression GINGERBREAD JENKINS MEANT EVERY WORD OF IT. FAIRMEADOW FELT A HAND ON HIS SHOULDER. IT TURNED OUT TO BE PALE PETER'S WHITE HAND. PARSON, PALE PETER WHISPERED, LET ME HAVE A WORD WITH YOU, WON'T YOU? FAIRMEADOW FOLLOWED THE saloon keeper TO A LITTLE OFFICE AT THE END OF THE BAR, A COZY cubby PARTITIONED AND CURTAINED FROM THE GREAT ROOM, OPENING INTO THE BAR THROUGH A RED-CURTAINED DOOR AND LOOKING OUT THROUGH A RED-CURTAINED WINDOW UPON THE STREET here pale peter had a desk a safe a little table and two great leather-covered easy-chairs he bestowed john fairmeadow with much politeness in one of the chairs and having himself taken the other and having snipped the end from a cigar and having lighted the cigar in a cynical muse he blew a cloud of smoke towards the ceiling and all at once let his eyes fall penetratingly upon the minister fairmeadow had observed in the meantime that he was a well-groomed easy-mannered man a man of the world apparently as much at variance with the environment of that foul roaring bar as the minister himself but was he after all out of keeping he was grey grey-haired and grey-faced no wonder they called him pale peter he had no colour at all even his thin dry lips shut tight in a straight line were colourless and his long light-lashed eyes were pale in tone his hands were white slim long-fingered hands they were adorned with one flashing diamond fairmeadow observed that he was immaculate as to linen and clad in the fashion a smartly cut tweed recently brushed and pressed parson pale peter asked abruptly what's the game it was a soft agreeable voice dry and even and a gentle smile accompanied it a smile however touched with cynicism the game fairmeadow replied bluntly is on the square pale peter lifted his eyebrows it's above board fairmeadow repeated of course pale peter agreed with a polite inclination but what is it just what you see, said Fairmeadow, and nothing else. I propose, in so far as God gives me strength, to be a pastor to the boys. Pale Peter looked John Fairmeadow over. You don't look like a parson, said he. I'm not. No, in mild surprise. You said you were, you know. I said that I might be called a parson. Pale Peter lifted his eyebrows i'm not yet a really truly minister fairmeadow laughed but i hope some day to be one i'm only a lay preacher more or less on probation i have an arrangement with the church if i'm very very good and if i read up on systematic theology and church history and that sort of thing in my spare hours and if i can pass a satisfactory examination they will ordain me in good time and then i'll be a real minister you see i had no time to go to a theological seminary i-i wanted to get to work i had to get to work a year in the seminary was quite enough for a man like me and when they proposed this arrangement i was delighted will they give you a square deal oh yes look out for em jack oh fairmeadow laughed they'll give me a square deal each man looked the other in the eye i think pale peter drawled at last that you're on the level fairmeadow bowed i'm glad you've come pale peter went on heartily and i hope you'll stay it was fairmeadow's turn to inquire what's the game there's no game pale peter answered i'm glad you've come he added and i hope you'll stay fairmeadow laughed what's the game he asked again if i can help you in any way said pale peter ignoring the question let me know i'll do my best what's the game pale peter drew the curtain aside and looked the length of the bar donnie he called the boy did not hear donnie donald came then in answer to his father's call He was a straight, frank-eyed little fellow, not after Pale Peter's fashion at all, but doubtless resembling, Fairmeadow fancied, his mother. He entered the little office shyly. For a moment he stood embarrassed. It seemed his father had forgotten him. The man's face was fixed in an affectionate smile. His eyes were bent upon the lad, but he seemed to be lost in a muse. "'Father?' the boy inquired donnie said pale peter abruptly shake hands with john fairmeadow the boy shyly offered his hand and fairmeadow grasped it heartily this said pale peter is my son fairmeadow began to comprehend my only son pale peter added his mother there was a pause she's dead donnie put in i see said fairmeadow and so turning to the saloon-keeper there is a game there is a game i'll play it fairmeadow ejaculated i'll play it for all i'm worth pale peter smiled do you play against me asked fairmeadow not at all on the contrary i'll help you all i can the consequences may be unpleasant for you i think not you'll not be warned i'd rather take the consequences donald bewildered by this dark exchange and somewhat bored by it went again to his seat on the bar pale peter said and with some diffidence to john fairmeadow will you shake hands first of all to define my attitude and to define it exactly fairmeadow replied rising his face flushing his eyes flashing i should like to express an opinion pale peter smiled be as frank as you will said he you're a damned rascal fairmeadow exploded now said pale peter softly will you shake hands i will they shook hands i'm glad you've come jack said the saloon-keeper and i hope you'll stay you'll be good to the boy won't you you'll teach him what i can't teach him you'll teach him what his mother would have taught him had she lived you see pale peter added he has no mother you see he oh pshaw you understand don't you the kid hasn't much of a chance here i've been afraid he'd grow up to be well what he wouldn't naturally be i reckon you understand and i'm glad there's another kind of man in camp you're the first man of that kind the kid ever saw you see i I can't do anything in that line you'll give the kid a show won't you i'll play the game said fairmeadow grimly it was in this way that john fairmeadow came to take up quarters at the red elephant pale peter would not hear of his going elsewhere not at all he exclaimed why parson this is just the place to get your lumberjacks be on the ground you're welcome here you can have the run of the place well and good fairmeadow settled down if. At any time in his career in the Lumberwoods, he may be said to have settled down, and was presently at home in his surroundings. No amazement was excited by his residence at the Red Elephant. It did not occur to the new minister's parishioners that there was anything extraordinary about it. It was agreed, in fact, that the arrangement was an admirable one. "'Ain't he on the ground,' they said. "'Ain't he near the bar?' The parishioners were quite willing to be taken care of the parishioners intended to be taken care of what was a parson for and with john fairmeadow at the red elephant with john fairmeadow always within hail they felt reasonably safe a great friendship immediately sprang into life between the big parson and pale peter's donald a friendship which in the end was to astonish and concern pale peter and fairmeadow going here and there upon the business of his parish was presently on terms with not only the lumber-jacks of the near camps but with the men from remoter sections and had established himself at least on terms of trust with all the saloon-keepers of swamp's end who gave him by a tacit understanding the run of their places in this way the summer was passed chapter eight in love with a flower it was near noon of a hazy sunday morning in the fall of the year the summer was gone john fairmeadow was now known to the lumberjacks of all those woods from the divide and the logosh reservation to the driving camps of the big river a hazy morning the earth was yellow and languid and sweet to smell there was balsam there was tempered sunlight in the air a forest smoke the fragrant mist of the season was opalescent under a flushed sun a lazy little breeze flowed over the pines and splashed odorously into the clearing of swamp's end it sportively eddied for a bit an inquisitive little wind too and with a song and a sigh idled on to the shadowy forest reaches in Pale Peter's Bar the Saturday-night Sots—a frowsy crew of lumberjacks, were stirring on the floor. Denny the Hump, the sweeper, being wise, had not disturbed them, but would return with his broom and dust-pan, when these sleeping dogs had carried their aches and their growling ill-humour to the healing out-of-doors. He had left them lie in the litter and slime of the night where they had fallen. A breath of wind came in at the wide door thrown open to the morning it paused appalled beyond the threshold and fluttered back to cleaner places to gather resolution presently however confronted by plain duty it returned in a dogged little rush whereupon it swept the bar and busily nosed the corners clean and drove all the stale exhalations of debauchery out of the window escaping disgusted in the wake and off it whisks with a sniff and a gasp to the big odorous forest which encircled the clearing glad to have this chance business satisfactorily accomplished gingerbread jenkins awoke what was it i come here for anyhow he wondered for a moment no explanation occurred to him but presently he remembered the business with which he was concerned was playing tom hitch there had been rumors about playing tom hitch gingerbread jenkins had come in from the bottle river camps to investigate them but he had arrived at the red elephant in time in the nick of time to participate in certain hilarious proceedings of a sort very much to his taste the investigation had been delayed but it was now impending seems to me peter gingerbread jenkins remarked to pale peter before he took the trail for tom hitch's cabin that if plain tom hitch has got separated and divorced from a bottle of whisky there must be a livin maker o the world there's so many dashed queer things goin on hereabouts these days that i reckon somebody's behind em it ain't john fairmeadow neither if plain tom hitch has quit treatin his body and soul like a poor damned fool god a managed it by the will and mercy o him plain tom hitch didn't do it nor no more did john fairmeadow thinks i i'll take a small squint at plain tom hitch and find out for myself and so peter gingerbread concluded i'm on the way to tom hitch's to look the ill-bred fightin beast over with my own eyes with that gingerbread set out plain tom hitch lived on a homestead grant a small clearing in the woods two miles out of swamp's end on the canthook trail he was employed through the week at the canthook cutting but of a saturday night it was his custom to return to his little grant of land his wife was dead Raoul, the old bottle river scaler maintained that she had died of the drink that tom hitch drank but tom hitch had a daughter left a maid of sweet age and looks she was turning nineteen to keep the cabin for him tom hitch was now at home gingerbread found him sitting in a rocking-chair on the porch of the cabin with jinny dressed out in her sunday best looking off at the sunset over the pines as though waiting perhaps for the image of some shy dream to come dressed in heavenly light to her little feet it was evening then the day was near gone and the last breeze was blowing soft and warm tom hitch Gingerbread ejaculated when he got hold of Tom Hitch's hand. What in the livin thunder have you been doin to yourself? Tom Hitch looked up. Why, Tom, Gingerbread ran on. They lie who called you plain Tom Hitch this day. You're borderin on a hansom. Ain't been doin nothin much to myself, said plain Tom Hitch. Just washed my face. Get out, Gingerbread scorned. Don't remember nothin more, said Tom Hitch. Soap and water do that to your face? gingerbread inquired didn't use nothing else gingerbread i wouldn't have believed said gingerbread jenkins that carbolic acid would accomplish so much on the traces of sin no tom hitch agreed me neither what you got there i got a flower thunderation gingerbread ejaculated a flower what in blitherin thunder are you doin' with a flower i'm using it for a bookmark tom replied but that ain't what i'm doin with it no no said tom not by no means i'm really enjoyin its society tom hitch gingerbread demanded have you lost your mind no said tom not by no means i just found out that there is flowers said he and i'm surprised and i'm pleased i like em i'm glad i got to know em what you readin gingerbread inquired i'm readin my bible what you doin that for i just been made acquainted with god whoo gingerbread whistled who done that to you john fairmeadow kindly introduced me tom placidly replied in the snake room of pale peter's place a fortnight ago come tuesday in the evenin'. john fairmeadow introduced me but i struck up the real friendship for myself i'm glad i done it too i like god i'm glad i got to know him he's a poor reputation for sociability tis true especially among the young but i'm in a position to say that once you get really well acquainted with him there's no end to the sociability he's able for he's good company he's grand company i enjoy his conversation i'm glad i know him i'm glad i got him for a friend i tell you gingerbread says he i'm almighty fond o god what particular brand of fool are you anyhow gingerbread frankly demanded i ain't no fool at all plain tom protested not by no means that's just what i ain't then said gingerbread what you talkin like a fool for i ain't talkin like a fool you are too gingerbread insisted i never heard a real fool do worse i'm not talkin like a fool at all tom hitch went on gravely You only think so because you ain't been used to that style of conversation. Maybe you don't like the words I use, but if I was you, I wouldn't let a little thing like that throw me off the track of truth. I tell you, Gingerbread, I'm talking an almighty big wisdom that I just found out about. You think I don't mean what I say? I do mean it. You think I'm a dribblin' fool when I say that I enjoy God's conversation? Why, Gingerbread, that ain't foolishness, that's truth it says just exactly what i mean it's real god is my friend i like him i'm wonderful fond of his company hello tom hitch says he last night when i was comin out from swamp's end in the starlight come home that's proper what you been doin says he lookin up at them stars i wouldn't do that too much my boy says he them little stars says he is a pretty tough proposition for a man like you you'd find me there all right if that's what you was looking for but you might be frightened when you saw me i'll tell you what you do says he it looks to me just now as if to-morrow might be a fine sunny morning for this time of year you go out in the woods i'll be waiting there and you and me will have a nice quiet time together looking at the flowers i made i'm proud of them says he they're lovely and i'm glad i have the power and the heart to think them into life you'll enjoy yourself all alone in the woods with me says he anyhow says he i'll enjoy myself with you and that's how said tom hitch i happen to hold this here little flower in my hand all day to-day he added i've had a wonderful good time with the little thing you fool said gingerbread jenkins that's awfully funny gingerbread tom hitch replied without resentment i look like a fool to you he went on and you look like a fool to me funny ain't it but i'm satisfied what gingerbread ejaculated satisfied where's your bottle of whisky tom hitch i put my bottle of whisky tom answered where it belonged before i got it then said gingerbread it's not far from your gullet it's just as far away from here tom hitch insisted as anywhere in the world is i hope you've chained it said gingerbread doubtfully it might get loose and bite you it won't be no trouble to me no more said tom hitch why gingerbread he went on my soul is turned towards light i've found peace and just as long as i can fall asleep like a child at night and by day walk the open world with neither terror nor shame i think i'll stand pat with the cards i hold whatever any man may think the hand i got is worth in the game bottle of whiskey," said he look he held up the little flower for gingerbread to see "'Tis the handiwork of my friend,' said Tom Hitch. "'This morning he made me the gift of it. "'I love it. you simply no idea, Gingerbread, how common and ornery a bottle of whiskey looks "'when—when when what?' Gingerbread inquired. "'When you've once fell in love with a flower.'" There came a time, and the time was not far distant, when Tom Hitch staggered out to Little Jenny from Swamp's End. It was raining that night the first big black drops of a three days rain had begun to fall it was a dark november night black and wet in the woods with a storm of cold wind coming down from the northwest Jinny met him took him by the hand at the cross trails by swamp's end and led him home by the hand like a child and three days later john fairmeadow came in from the last chance camps on ragged stream where the news of tom hitch had gone it was a bad day for a man to be abroad in the swamps it was a worse night to foot the trail from dead man's ferry there was now a rush of rain against the window-pane of tom hitch's cabin there was now the patter of hail on the roof and the big wind from the northwest was threshing the forest and crying at the door john fairmeadow was wet to the skin he bled from the wounds of the muskegs he was splashed to the eyes with the mud and dead leaves of the last trail it is a matter of thirty miles from the last chance camps to swamp's end john fairmeadow had come it that day god knows how by the short cut through cedar long swamp he had come however and he came just in time to pass judgment on plain tom hitch and to intervene with his more righteous justice all of which shall be told in its place all this, however, was for the future. On the placid evening, when Tom Hitch sat with Gingerbread Jenkins on the porch of his little cabin, it was not in prospect. "'Gingerbread,' said Tom Hitch, "'you'd better turn over a new leaf.' Gingerbread pondered. "'Eh?' said Tom Hitch. "'I reckon,' Gingerbread replied, "'that i would get married and settle down.' "'You'll get married, Gingerbread?' Tom Hitch drawled sure said the confident gingerbread nothing like a little matrimony to straighten a man up tom hitch stared you watch me gingerbread jenkins declared chapter eight